Chapter Twelve of Among the Trees at Elmridge. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Marianne. Among the Trees at Elmridge by Ella Rodman Church. Chapter Twelve: The Mulberry Family. There is a fruit tree," said Miss Harson, "belonging to an entirely different family, which we have not considered yet." and although it is not a common tree with us one specimen of it is to be found in mrs bush's garden where you have all enjoyed the fruit very much what is it mulberry said clara promptly while malcolm was wondering what it could be oh yes said edith very innocently i like to go and see mrs bush when there are mulberries mrs bush was not a cheerful person to visit as she was quite old and rather hard of hearing and she lived alone in the gloomy old house with the lombardy poplars in front where everything looked dark and shut up a queer woman in a sunbonnet nearly as old as mrs bush lived close by and kept an eye on her as she said mrs bush's great enjoyment was to have visitors of all ages to whom she talked a great deal and cried as she talked about a daughter who had died a few years ago the little kyles did not care to go there except when as edith said there were ripe mulberries but mrs bush liked very much to have them and miss harson took her little charges there occasionally because as she explained to them it gave pleasure to a lonely old woman and such visits were just as much charity though of a different kind as giving food and clothes to those who need them the children delighted in the mulberries just because they did not have them at home although they had fruit that was very much nicer but miss harson never wished even to taste them although she too liked them when a little girl the mulberry tree continued their governess belongs to the breadfruit family but the other members of this remarkable family except the osage orange are found only in foreign countries the breadfruit tree itself the fig the indian fig or the banyan tree and the deadly upas tree are all relations of the mulberry well trees are queer things exclaimed malcolm to belong to families that are not a bit alike they are alike in important points when we examine them carefully was the reply the breadfruit genus consists with a single exception of trees and shrubs with alternate toothed or lobed or entire leaves and milky juice this reminds me that the famous cow tree of south america which yields a large supply of rich and wholesome milk is one of the members and you see what a number of famous trees we have on hand now there are several kinds of mulberries the red black white and paper mulberry which are all occasionally found in this country and they were once quite popular here for their shade their fruit is usually small for tree fruit and very soft when ripe as you all know it is not unlike a long narrow blackberry and forms like it a compound fruit as though many small berries had grown together the tree in mrs bush's garden is the black mulberry as any one might know by the stained lips and hands that sometimes come from there and it has been cultivated from ancient times for its fine appearance and shade it is found wild in the forests of persia and is thought to have been taken from there to europe the tree is more beautiful than useful for the silkworms do not thrive well on the leaves and the wood is neither strong nor durable why i thought said clara that silkworms always lived on mulberry trees the white mulberry is their favorite food and another species called the morris multicollis for morris is the scientific name of the family has more delicate leaves than any other and produces a finer quality of silk these trees are native of china 
and the white mulberry grows very rapidly to the height of thirty or forty feet the paper mulberry is so called because in china and japan of which it is a native its bark is manufactured into paper in the south sea islands where it is also found the bark is made into the curious dresses which we sometimes see imported thence it is a low thick branched tree with large light colored downy leaves and dark scarlet fruit i wonder said malcolm if the bark is like birch bark it does not look like it replied miss harson but it seems to be very much of the same nature the red mulberry and black mulberry are the most hardy of these trees and the red mulberry will thrive farther north than any of the family the wood is valuable for many purposes for which timber is used and especially in boat building and now as we learned something about silkworms in their cocoons in our talks about insects there is little more to be said of the mulberry tree which any but learned people would care to know i want to hear about the bread tree said little edith and how the loaves of bread grow on it do they miss harson asked clara not exactly seeing how this could be i don't believe they're very hot remarked malcolm who was puzzled over the breadfruit tree himself but who laughed at his little sister's idea in a very knowing way it was not an ill-natured laugh though and a glance from his governess always quieted him no dear replied miss harson answering clara loaves of bread do not grow on any tree but i will tell you about the breadfruit presently let us finish the morris family and their kindred in our own country before we go to their foreign relations the osage orange is so much used in the united states and in this part of it for hedges on account of its rapid growth and ornamental appearance that we really ought to know something about it it is a beautiful low spreading round-headed tree with the port and splendor of an orange tree its oval entire polished leaves have the shining green of natives of warmer regions and its curiously tessellated succulent compound fruit the size and golden color of an orange it was first found in the country of the osage indians from which it gets its name and it has since been cultivated in many parts of this country and in europe the osages belonged to the sioux or dakota tribe of indians and their home was in the southwestern part of the old united states the osage orange a tree from thirty to forty feet high with leaves even more bright and glossy than those of the ordinary orange was first found growing wild near one of their villages but what a very high hedge it would make said malcolm yes if left to its natural growth it would be a very absurd fence indeed but this is not the case the branches spread out very widely and by cutting off the tops and trimming the remainder twice in a season a very handsome thick-set hedge is produced with lustrous leaves and sharp straight thorns another name for this tree is yellow wood or bow wood because the wood is of a bright yellow color and the grain is so fine and elastic that the southern indians have been in the habit of using it to make their bows the experiment of feeding silkworms upon the leaves has been tried but it was not very successful i suppose the worms didn't know that it belonged to the mulberry family said clara and i don't see why it does for reply her governess read the sap of the young wood and its leaves is milky and contains a large proportion of caoutchouc oh exclaimed malcolm that sounds just like sneezing what is it miss harson something that you wear on your feet and over your shoulders in wet weather so now guess overshoes replied clara in a great hurry how many of them do you wear over your shoulders at once asked her brother and it must be a queer kind of sap that has overshoes in it why couldn't you say india rubber 
and why couldn't you say it before clara put it into your head by saying overshoes asked miss harson clara has the right idea only she does not express it in the clearest way the sap of the caoutchouc or india rubber tree is the most valuable yet discovered and as it is of a milky nature it can very properly be brought into the present class of trees is that a mulberry too asked clara who thought that the size of the family was getting beyond all bounds it is not really set down as belonging to the breadfruit family was the reply but certainly has the peculiarity of their milky sap however as i know that you are all eager to hear about the breadfruit tree we will take that next this tree is found in various tropical regions but principally in the south sea islands where it is about forty feet high the immense leaves are half a yard long and over a quarter wide and are deeply divided into sharp lobes the fruit looks like a very large green berry being about the size of a coconut or melon and the proper time for gathering it is about a week before it is ripe when baked it is not very unlike bread it is cooked by being cut into several pieces which are baked in an oven in the ground it is often eaten with orange juice and coconut milk some of the south sea islanders depend very much upon it for their food the large seeds when roasted are said to taste like the best chestnuts the pulp which is the bread part is said to resemble a baked potato and is very white and tender but unless eaten soon after the fruit is gathered it grows hard and chalky so edie's loaves of bread are green said malcolm rather teasingly that's because they grow on a tree replied clara our loaves of bread are raw dough before they are baked and they are grains of wheat before they are dough that is quite true dear replied the governess laughing and we must teach malcolm not to be quite so critical the breadfruit tree is a wonderful tree and it certainly does not bear uncooked loaves of bread at least for they require no kneading to be ready for the oven the fruit is to be found on the tree for eight months of the year which is very different from any of our fruits and two or three breadfruit trees will supply one man with food all the year round but what does he do when there's no fresh fruit on them asked malcolm you told us that it was not good to eat unless it was fresh we should not think it good but the native makes it into a sour paste called mahi and the people of the islands eat this during the four months when the fresh fruit is not to be had the breadfruit is said to be very nourishing and it can be prepared in various ways the timber of this tree though soft is found useful in building houses and boats the flowers when dry serve for tinder the vascid milky juice answers for burnt lime and glue the leaves for towels and packing and the inner bark beaten together makes one species of the south sea cloth what a very useful tree exclaimed clara it is indeed replied miss harson and this is the case with many of the trees found in these warm countries where the inhabitants know little of the arts and manufactures and would almost starve rather than exert themselves greatly there is another species of breadfruit called the jacka or jack tree found on the mainland of asia which produces its fruit on different parts of the tree according to its age when the tree is young the fruit grows from the twigs in middle age it grows from the trunk and when the tree gets old it grows from the roots there was a picture of the jack tree with fruit growing out of the trunk and great branches like melons and the children crowded eagerly around to look at it all agreed that it was the very queerest tree they had yet heard of the fruit is even larger than that of the island breadfruit continued their governess but it is not so pleasant to our taste nor is it so nourishing 
it often weighs over thirty pounds and has two or three hundred seeds each of which is four times as large as an almond and is surrounded by a pulp which is greatly relished by the natives of india the seeds or nuts are roasted like those of smaller fruit and make very good chestnuts the fruit has a strong odor not very agreeable to noses not educated to it miss harson said malcolm what is the upas tree like and why is it called deadly it is a tree eighty feet high with white and slightly furrowed bark the branches which are very thick grow nearly at the top dividing into smaller ones which form an irregular sort of crown to the tall straight trunk there is no reason for calling it deadly except a foolish notion and the fact that a very strong poison is prepared from the milky sap the tree grows on the island of java and for a long time many fabulous stories were told of its dangerous nature travellers in that region would send home the wildest and most improbable stories of the poisonous tree until the very name of the upas tree was enough to make people shudder it is said that a dutch surgeon stationed on the island did much to keep up the impression he wrote an account of the valley in which the upas was said to be growing alone for no tree or shrub was to be found near it and he declared that neither animal nor bird could breathe the noxious effluvia from the tree without instant death in fact he called this fatal spot the valley of death and wasn't it true miss harson not all true clara someone who had spent many years in java proved these stories to be entirely false instead of growing in a dismal valley by itself the graceful-looking upas tree is found in the most fertile spots among other trees and very often climbing plants are twisted round its trunk while birds nestle in the branches it can be handled too like any other tree and all this is as unlike the dutch surgeon's account as possible one of his stories was that the criminals on the island were employed to collect the poison from the trunk of the tree that they were permitted to choose whether to die by the hand of the executioner or to go to the upas for a box of its fatal juice and that the ground all around the tree was strewed with the dead bodies of those who had perished on this errand oh exclaimed edith wasn't that dreadful the story was dreadful dear but it was only a story you know the upas tree did not kill people at all and to turn the milky juice into a dangerous poison took a great deal of time and trouble it was mixed with various spices and fermented when ready for use it was poured into the hollow joints of bamboo and carefully kept from the air both for war and for the chase arrows are dipped into this fatal preparation and the effect has been witnessed by naturalists on animals and also on man the instant it touches the blood it is carried through the whole system so that it may be felt in all the veins and causes a burning sensation especially in the head which is followed by sickness and death well said clara drawing a long breath i'm glad i don't live in java the poisoned arrows are not constantly flying about in java dear replied her governess with a smile and i do not think you would be in any danger from them but there are a great many other reasons why it is not pleasant except for natives to live in java there are a number of dutch settlers there because the island was conquered by the dutch nation but while war with the natives was going on they suffered terribly from the poisoned arrows so that the very name of upas caused them to tremble the word upas in the language of the natives means poison and there is in the island a valley called the upas or poison valley it has nothing however to do with the tree which does not grow anywhere in the neighbourhood that valley may be literally called the valley of death we are told that it came to exist in this way the largest mountain in java 
was once partly buried in a very dreadful manner in the middle of a summer night the people in the neighborhood perceived a luminous cloud that seemed wholly to envelop the mountain they were extremely alarmed and took flight but ere they could escape a terrible noise was heard like the discharge of a cannon and part of the mountain fell in and disappeared at the same moment quantities of stone and lava were thrown to the distance of several miles fifteen miles of ground covered with villages and plantations were swallowed up or buried under the lava from the mountain and when all was over and people tried to visit the scene of the disaster they could not approach it on account of the heat of the stones and other substances piled upon one another and yet as much as six weeks had elapsed since the catastrophe this upas valley is about half a mile in circumference and the vapor that escapes through the cracks and fissures is fatal to every living thing here indeed are to be seen the bones of animals and birds and even skeletons of human beings who were unfortunate enough to enter and were overpowered by the deadly vapor and now added miss harson i have given you this account to make you understand that the famous upas valley of java is not the valley of upas trees but one of poisonous vapors and the deadly upas said malcolm is not deadly after all i think i shall remember that and i too said clara and edith who had listened with great interest to the description shall we now have some figs by way of variety was a question that caused three pairs of eyes to turn rather expectantly on the speaker for figs were very popular with the small people of elmridge not in the way of refreshment just at present continued their governess but only as belonging to the mulberry family and we will begin with that curious tree the banyan or indian fig this stately and beautiful tree is found on the banks of the river ganges and in many parts of india and is a tree much valued and venerated by the hindu he plants it near the temple of his idol and if the village in which he resides does not possess any such edifice he uses the banyan for a temple and places the idol beneath it here every morning and evening he performs the rites of his heathen worship and more than this he considers the tree with its outstretched and far sheltering arms an emblem of the creator of all things is that only one tree asked malcolm as miss harson displayed a picture that was more like a small grove why it looks like two or three trees together does it grow up from the ground or down from the air asked clara just look at these queer branches with one end fast to the tree and the other fast to the ground edith thought that the branches which had not reached the ground looked like snakes but for all that it was certainly a grand tree the peculiar growth of the banyan continued miss harson renders it an object of beauty and produces those column-like stems that cause it to become a grove in itself it may be said to grow not from the seed but from the branches they spread out horizontally and each branch sends out a number of rootlets that at first hang from it like slender cords and wave about in the wind those are your snakes edith but by degrees they reach the ground and root themselves into it then the cord tightens and thickens and becomes a stem acting like a prop to the wide-spreading branch of the parent plant indeed column on column is added in this manner the books tell us so long as the mother tree can support its numerous progeny how very strange said clara the mulberry seems to have some very funny relations such a great tree ought to bear very large figs added malcolm on the contrary replied his governess it bears uncommonly small ones no larger than a hazelnut and of a red colour they are not considered edible by the natives but birds and animals feed upon them 
and in the leafy bower of the banyan are found the peacock the monkey and the squirrel here too are a myriad of pigeons as green as the leaf and with eyes and feet of a brilliant red they are so like the foliage in color that they can be seen only by the practiced eye of the hunter and even he would fail to detect them were it not for their restless movements as they flutter about from branch to branch they are apt to fall victims to his skill in shooting his arrows if they would only keep still exclaimed edith who felt a strong sympathy for the green pigeons poor pretty things why don't they miss harson instead of getting killed they do not know their danger until it is too late and it is quite as hard for them to keep still as it is for little girls edith wondered if that meant her she was a little girl but she did not think she was so very restless however miss harson didn't tell her and she soon forgot it in listening to what was said of the queer tree with branches like snakes the leaves of the banyan tree are large and soft and of a very bright green and the deep shade and pillared walks are so welcome to the hindu that even he tries to improve on nature and coax the shoots to grow just where he wishes them he binds wet clay and moss on the branch to make the rootlet spout will it grow then asked malcolm yes just as a cutting planted in the earth will grow although it seems a very odd style of gardening the sacred fig tree of india ficus regiosa is a near relative of the banyan and very much like it in general appearance but the leaves are on such slender stalks that they tremble like those of the aspen it is known as the bow tree of ceylon and is said to have been placed in charge of the priests long before the present race of inhabitants had appeared in the island where do the real figs grow asked clara in a great many moderately warm or subtropical countries was the reply but smyrna figs are the most celebrated immense quantities of the fruit are dried and packed in asiatic turkey for exportation from this city and it is said in the fig season nothing else is talked about there i didn't know that they were dried said malcolm in great surprise i thought they were just packed tight in boxes and then sent off in its native country read miss harson and when growing on the tree the fig presents a different appearance from the dried and packed specimens we see in this country it is a firm and fleshy fruit and has a delicious honey drop hanging from the point and here she added is a small branch from the fig tree with fruit growing on it why it's shaped like a pear exclaimed malcolm and what large pretty leaves it has said clara the fig tree is common in palestine and in the east miss harson continued to read and flourishes with the greatest luxuriance in those barren and stony situations where little else will grow its large size and its abundance of five-lobed leaves render it a pleasant shade tree and its fruit furnishes a wholesome food very much used in all the lands of the bible figs were among the fruits mentioned in the land that flowed with milk and honey and it was a symbol of peace and plenty as you will find malcolm by reading us from first kings fourth chapter twenty-fifth verse and judah and israel dwelt safely every man under his vine and under his fig tree from dan even to beersheba all the days of solomon that's what it means then said malcolm when he had finished reading the verse i've heard people say under your own vine and fig tree and i couldn't tell what they meant yes replied his governess some people make very free with the words of holy scripture and twist them to suit meanings for which they were not intended having a house of one's own is usually meant by this quotation and almost the same words are repeated in other parts of the old testament the fig is often mentioned in the bible and two kinds are spoken of the very early fig 
and the one that ripens late in the summer. The early figwoods considered the best, and I think that Clara will tell us what was said of it by the prophet Jeremiah. Clara read slowly, One basket had very good figs, even like the figs that are first ripe, and the other basket had very naughty figs, which could not be eaten, they were so bad. Jeremiah chapter 24 verse 2 but can figs be naughty, Miss Harson? asked Edith, with very wide-open eyes. I thought that only children were naughty. There are naughty grown people as well as naughty children, was the reply, and inanimate things like figs in old times were called naughty too, in the sense of being bad. The fruit of the fig tree appears not only before the leaves, but without any sign of blossoms, the flowers being small and hidden in the little buttons which first shoot out from the points of the sterns, and around which the outer and firm part of the fig grows. The leaves come out so late in the season that our Saviour said, Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When its branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, ye know that summer is nigh. Matthew chapter 24, verse 32. Did not our Lord say something else about a fig tree? Yes, replied Clara, the one that was withered away because it had no figs on it. The barren fig tree which was withered at our Saviour's word, as an awful warning to unfruitful professors of religion, seems to have spent itself in leaves. It stood by the wayside, free to all, and as the time for stripping the trees of their fruit had not yet come, for in Mark we are told that the time of the figs was not yet, Mark chapter 11, verse 13, it was reasonable to expect to find it covered with figs in various stages of growth, yet there was nothing thereon but leaves only. Find the nineteenth verse of the twenty-first chapter of Matthew, Malcolm, and read what is said there. And when he saw a fig tree in the way, he came to it, and found nothing thereon, but leaves only, and said unto it, Let no fruit grow on thee henceforth for ever, and presently the fig tree withered away. A fig tree having leaves, said Miss Harson, should also have figs, for these, as I have already told you, appear before the leaves, and both are on the tree at the same time, so that, Although unripe figs are seen without leaves, leaves should not be seen without figs. And if it was not yet the season for figs, it was not the season for leaves either. The barren fig tree has often been compared to people who make a show of goodness in words, but leave the doing of good works to others. And when anything is expected of them, there is sure to be disappointment. Nothing but leaves has become a proverb, and when it can be used to express the barren condition, of those who profess to follow the teachings of our Lord, it is sad indeed. Do fig trees grow wild? said Clara, presently. Yes, was the reply, and very curious-looking things they are. Their roots twist into all kinds of whimsical contortions, so as to look more like a mass of snakes than the roots of a tree. They unite themselves so closely to the substances that come in their way, such as the face of rocks, or even the stems of other trees, that nothing can pull them away and in some parts of India these strong, tough roots are made to serve the purpose of bridges and twisted over some stream or cataract. The wild fig is often a dangerous parasite and does not attain perfection without completing some work of destruction among its neighbors in the forest. A slender rootlet may sometimes be seen hanging from the crown of a palm. The seed was carried there by some bird that had fed upon the fruit of a wild fig, and it rooted itself with surprising facility. The rootlet, as it descends, envelops the column-like stem of the palm with a woody network, and at length reaches the ground. Meanwhile the true stem of the parasite shoots upward from the crown of the palm. It sends out numberless rootlets, each of which, as soon as it reaches the ground, takes root, 
and between them the palm is stifled and perishes leaving the fig in undisturbed possession the parasite does not however long survive the decline for no longer fed by the juices of the palm it also in process of time begins to languish and decline what a mean thing it is exclaimed malcolm as mean as a cuckoo that lays its egg in other birds nests and i'm glad it dies when it has killed the palm tree it just serves it right but don't figs ever grow in this country miss harson yes replied the governess they are cultivated in the southern states and in california like many other semi-tropical fruits and are principally eaten fresh but for drying they are not equal to the imported ones no doubt the cultivation of figs in california will become a prosperous trade for the climate and circumstances there are very much like those of syria End of chapter 12